Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hallelujah. Wow. What a night, huh? I was like, I don't even want to come up there. I'd just rather just keep worshiping. Praise God. Wow. You know, God could do more in those minutes that we spend worshiping than than us spending hours praying, spending hours studying. Spend, and I'm saying don't do those. I'm not saying don't do those things. But I don't know that we, that we understand the significance of our worship. I don't know that we understand what transpires when we, as an act of our will, come together, set time aside. You have to set time aside to come here tonight. Okay? So that's like an offering. That's like something that you're sowing. That's like seed that you're sowing. And so whenever we sow seed in honor to God, there's always going to be a harvest. And the harvest that you can expect when we're in worship like this is to experience his presence. I remember many years ago when I was in Bible school, the founder of the Bible school that we attended, Brother Kenneth Hagin, said this on multiple occasions. He said, when the presence of God is a manifestation, you don't want to be like people standing on a sidewalk watching a parade. You want to be in it. So, so listen, when you, when you come to worship, whether, whether it's here or if you're visiting tonight, you go to another church, whatever it is, get, become, don't be a spectator. Become a participant in worship. Whether, I, I don't know of anything else that gets God's attention. I don't know anything else that can trigger the Holy Spirit moving. Now, we know he lives in us. That's, that's the series we're starting tonight is, is on the Holy Spirit. God's gift to the believer, okay? Uh, I don't know of anything that can trigger the, the action, the manifestation, the tangible, visible presence of the Holy Spirit more than worship does. And I don't know that we have the, con- I don't know that we've got it down. I know this is something that the Lord really, really impressed upon my heart 35 years ago when I first, got, when I first became a Christian, when I first got saved. I just, it was something about worship. I mean, you could ask my wife, you know, I spent the, six, the first six months in church, first six months when I got born again, I spent on rinse cycle. Every time I go to church, all I do is cry, just weep, just weep. It's just like God was just like cleansing so much garbage and junk out of my life. But it was in the worship. It was in times of worship when I've heard the voice of God so clear. It's been in times of worship when I've sensed that God is for me and not against me. It's in times, I don't know that we've gotten this. Okay, but listen to me. We need to, we need to develop, uh, how can I say this and say it clearly from my heart? The Jewish believers in the Old Testament understood the power of worship. We tried to, have tried to westernize our worship and make it American. But worship and western, but worship is a Middle Eastern concept. Okay, and it doesn't come natural to us. But if you, you go read the Psalms, you go read 
the times in, recorded for us in the Old Testament when God would say to the nation of Israel, just go out there and worship me. I'll fight the battles. Think about King Jehoshaphat. He surrounded. They said there were so many people coming against him. It was like the sand of the sea. He didn't try to do things in the natural. He didn't try to just say, let's see, let's go hire mercenaries from other countries to come and help us. No, he went and sought the face of God. And listen to the instruction that God gave him. He said, tomorrow, go to such and such a place and put the worshipers first. You didn't catch it. Put the worshipers in front of the army. He didn't say get the SWAT team and put them out front. He didn't say get your biggest bad blanks out front. I almost slipped that time. He said, put the worshipers first. And this is a concept that the church needs, and especially here in this country, needs to learn. Instead of you worrying, instead of you staying up all night crying, begging, rolling on the floor, oh God, oh God, oh God, shut up. Start worshiping him. Listen to me, I'm telling you from personal experience, there is nothing that drives the devil more crazy that when no matter what he throws against you, you keep worshiping God. Worship is a strong weapon in the mouth of the believer. Just, just get lost in worship. You release a power. Because for you to worship and to worship genuinely, you have to make a, a, a decision on the inside, that I don't care what's happening. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care that they're they're, they're gonna take my house. I don't care that they're gonna repossess my car. I don't care that I don't have a job. I don't care that there's nothing but the light bulb in the refrigerator. I'm still gonna worship God. So you, you, it forces you. When you are a worshiper, it forces you to put everything else aside because you can't worship with your mouth and get worried in your heart. Man, I don't know that you realize what transpired here tonight. I'm glad you're here. I wish the empty seats that were there right now were filled with people that needed to be here tonight. But unfortunately, unfortunately, what ends up happening is this. Uh, I, I remember one time we were having, a, 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 I was teaching a series on healing. This was many years ago. And somebody said to me, I'm sorry I couldn't make it to the healing service. I was too sick. <laughs> you know what too sick to come to the healing service is? You're dead. You don't need a healing service. You need a resurrection service. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine somebody saying, well, you know, I've been too beat up by the devil to come to church. Where are you going to go? Where else are you going to get your relief from? Hallelujah. Come on, stand up, everybody. Let's just lift our hands up to him. And just, just you worship him right there where you are. Just, Father, I bless you. I thank you. I worship you, God. You are the almighty one. You are the all-powerful one. And, Father, we're never going to deny you worship, God, no matter what comes at us, no matter what the devil throws at us, no matter what circumstances of life, we will praise you. We will worship you. We will give you the adoration that you deserve. The honor, the glory is yours. We bless you. 
We praise you. We honor you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Faithful God. Faithful. We call you faithful. We call you good. We call you holy. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Adonai. We bless you, God Almighty. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your glory. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. We bless and honor you, Father. There is no one like you, God. There is no other like you, Father. Thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go ahead, be seated. In order to have stability in life, I'm talking about believers now. This series that we're starting tonight is specifically for believers. What does that mean, Pastor? Are you going to throw anybody out? No, of course not. Of course not. Well, I don't know. I'm here tonight. Somebody invited me or somebody bribed me or somebody uh, hijacked me and brought me here tonight. Well, what I'm believing is this, that by the time we're done tonight, you're going to have a different perspective of God. By the time we're done with the series at the end of the month, yeah, we're going to know the Holy Spirit like we've never known him before. Now, let me explain this to you. Let me explain this to you. Because, you see, here's, here's the reason why I want to teach this series. Number one, because of the season that we're in. I'll explain that in a little while. Number two, now, hear me out. Don't throw a chair at me. Don't throw your shoe at me. Don't talk about me when you leave tonight until you hear me out. The church of Jesus Christ has only been focused on Jesus Christ. But Jesus, before he left this earth, said, my father's going to send another one just like me. And he's going to speak to you. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to remind you of the things that I've spoken unto you. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. In other words, what he's saying is, guys, I'm done here. Now, get to know the one that my father will send in my name. But the church keeps going, yeah, but we want Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm up here with the father, okay? He gave us an administrator on the earth. He gave us a superintendent on the earth. The church is under the jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit on the earth. Now, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, I'm getting, myself, I'm getting ahead of myself here because I'm, I'm very excited about teaching this. So I'm like, okay. Now, if you don't know the Holy Spirit, if you have not developed a relationship with him, and he is a him, he's not an it. Okay, he's not a dove. He's not a flame. Okay, he's a person. It's the spirit of the living God, the spirit of Jesus here on the earth. Okay, but if you don't get to know him, you're going to wander around in this earth, born again, Holy Ghost inside you, but you're going to live like the Israelites lived in the desert, wandering, wandering, wandering. You might see a little cloud once in a while. You might see a little flame once in a while. But if you don't get to know his voice, okay, are you listening to me? You're going to wander around aimlessly. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven. But in this life, we need to know the Holy Spirit. That is who Jesus handed this whole thing over to him. 
It's almost like if, if, well, let me just move on. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is God's gift to the believer. That's where I was going with this when I said this series is for believers, okay? Now, if a person has not yet received Christ, if they have not yet been born again, the Holy Spirit's not living in them yet. Now, if you're in that category, I mean, you came here tonight out of curiosity or whatever, by the end of the night, you can have the opportunity to receive Jesus and have his spirit come and live inside you, okay? But, but even Jesus, when he spoke about the Holy Spirit, he spoke about the Holy Spirit in connection to believers. In other words, let me use me for an example. Before, when, but from the time I was born till I was 27 years old, I had heard about Jesus. I went to Catholic school. I thank God I did because when I came into this, I knew a whole lot more uh, already because I knew what I was taught when I was a child, okay? So, but when I was 27 years old, on April the 25th, 1984, at 9.30 at night on a Wednesday, I met the Lord Jesus Christ. He became very real to me. His spirit came to live inside me. So from that point on, I was no longer a lost person. I was no longer a... I was really never an unbeliever. I, I was a, having never experienced. Okay, because I, I knew that he existed. I, I knew about God. I knew about Jesus. I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit because they, didn't, they never talked about the Holy Spirit. They talked a lot about Jesus, talked a lot about the saints, talked a lot about Mary. So I knew all about them. You can tell me, any, whatever you had a need in your life, I'd say, yeah, you got to pray to this saint or to that saint or to the other saint. And I could hook you up with all those departments. <laughs> but I hadn't met him yet. And so when I came to my family and I told them I got born again, of course, they all freaked out. <laughs> told me, you, you left the church. I said, no, 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 I finally found the church. Amen. I finally found the church. And so the way I explained it, especially to my, to my parents, especially to my father, I said to him, now, now you have relatives, and this is true. I said to him, my father, I said, now, now you've told me we have cousins that live in Montreal. When they came to this country, instead of immigrating here to the United States and to New Jersey, that branch of the family went from Sicily to Canada, to Montreal. I said, now, I believe you that they exist, but I never met them. You see what I'm saying? I knew they were there, but I had never met them. But on April the 25th, 1984, 9.30 at night, you remember what day it was? On a Wednesday. Okay. (laughs) I finally met the one who had, I had heard so much about. Are you listening to me? So now, so now, now watch this now. See, I was lost then. How many know what I'm talking about, lost? Okay, I was lost then. So then Jesus attracts the lost. Are, are, you, are you listening? But once the lost becomes saved, then Jesus goes, okay, from this point, I'm handing you over to the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit, the way you guys like to say sometimes, to the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit now that is going to speak to you on the earth. I'm going to keep stressing this, because there's no use me teaching this if you don't understand the significance of the Holy Spirit. You see, when people say, the Lord spoke to me, who are you talking about? Well, Jesus spoke to you. No, no, no. Jesus is in heaven. Now, unless he's appeared to you in a vision, it's the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. 
Are, are you getting this? Because you are now, as a believer, in a position of righteousness. That is not anything that you did. That is not anything that you earned. It's not something you bought. You couldn't pray it in. You couldn't buy it. God took you. Like David said, out of the miry muck and planted your feet on a solid rock. And so now you're in this position of righteousness. And the righteous hear from the Holy Ghost. Are you catching this? So when you hear on the inside, either an audible voice or an impression or, or a scripture comes up on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit that's already in you that is leading you and guiding you into what? All truth. When you're like, I've had this on occasion before we had computers. I feel sorry for all those ministers that lived in the, in the years gone by that didn't have computers. And I, I would spend six, seven, eight hours just researching a couple things. But there were some times I'd go, I don't even know where this is, but I know it's there. I know it's the scripture. Holy Spirit, tell me where this thing is. And I'd hear Luke chapter 11. But, and sure enough, I'd go to the, open up the book and Luke chapter, guess what? He knew where it was. You know why? He wrote the book. There's nobody better to hear from than the author himself. But, but here's the thing I want to talk about. I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's kind of negative. Most of the church, of course, not you, because you're here on a Wednesday night when you don't have to be, okay? Because you don't get any credit for Wednesdays. <laughs> if you come to Catholic background like me, you get credit for Sunday morning. <laughs> so Wednesday night is like, it's, it's a given, okay? But watch this now. Where was I going with this? You see what you get when you fool around too much? Yeah, before that. Oh, thank you. Most of the church, listen to me, most Christians are content to walk around and never hear from God. And I don't understand that. Because if I, 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 I can't function. I can't. Because, see, if we walk around not hearing from the Holy Spirit, that means that all we're experiencing from you is you. And I don't want to hurt your feelings. I would much rather hear from him. Now, I would rather, I, would, I want to hear from him through you. But if you're going to walk around the rest of your life and be content to never hear from the Holy Ghost, to never pursue him, to never stop and ask instruction of how to do something, to never stop and say, do I have your permission to do this? You know, again, I'll go back to, 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 to Brother Kenneth Hagin. That's, that's who I've been trained under. I, I, you know, you might have been trained under somebody else. That's, that's fine. That's, your, that's for you. But many times, and, I, and I've adapted this in my life, and this church exists, this ministry exists by me putting into practice something that I was taught. And here's, here's how he would teach you. You can read it in his books. He'd say, I, I, I don't, when I faced a situation where I thought I had to go in a specific direction or go forward or, 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 or propose to do something or go and preach somewhere, or go and, 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 and just start something for ministry. He said, I always look for a green light on the inside. Green light. He, he said, if I, if I, uh, and I would keep going as long as I sense a green light. What is a green light? A green light is that you got permission from the Holy Spirit to continue doing what you're doing. Amen. Paul said, as he was traveling through Europe, 
I think it was heading towards Macedonia. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and us that we should go forth and do such and such a thing. Now, how many, sometimes it's better, you can understand better, something better, how not to do something than it is to do something. How many of you have proceeded in a direction, maybe proceeded in a relationship, maybe proceeded to take a job, maybe proceeded to move into a neighborhood, and on the inside you got, something ain't right here. Come on, come on, be honest. You know on the inside, something's not right here. You, you hear what I'm saying? What is it? It's like something scratchy, so you don't have peace, and, 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 you, and you know if you've kept going, what happened? You got in trouble. And sometimes it could take you years to get out of that thing. And some people will never get out of it because some people, they go so far, it's like trying to unscramble scrambled eggs. You, you're not going to do it. It's just that's it. That's the way life is. From, and let me, can I talk to, uh, yeah, what the heck. Um, if you're 50 and over, you don't have time to be a fool. I don't know how else to say this, but if you're 50 and over, you don't have time to be a fool. Let me give you a natural, a natural illustration with this. Uh, we're in the ministry now 22 years, so I guess it might have been about 25 now before that, probably about 27, 28 years ago. Pastor Cat, Pastor Pam, were, you know, Pastor Pam's my cousin, Pastor Cat's my cousin through marriage. They were over our house. At that time, we lived in Seaside Park. We still had the house over there. We're sitting in the kitchen. Now, I had just got... We went to bankruptcy in 1990. So it was, it was like 1991. Uh, how old was I then? Uh, well, let me put it this way. I'm 62 now, so what was, what was, I, in 90, what was I in 91? I would, no, I was younger than that because David was born in 90, so it was about 32, 33 years old. 32, 33 years old, right? Okay. I'm having this conversation with the two of them, and I said, now, watch now. We're, going, we're in bankruptcy. I'm lose, we're losing our house, houses, cars, business, everything's gone. At 31, 32 years old, I had already come to the conclusion, I can't live long enough, naturally speaking, to get all this back. You see what I'm saying? Because even if I make it to 100, I want to spend the last 20 years relaxing. You see what I'm saying? I probably won't, but you know what I'm saying. So, so now let's take that over to the realm of the spirit. Let's take it over into the realm of the kingdom of God. Let's say you're 50, 50, you're 55, 60, 70, 80 years old. You've got time to be stupid? You don't have time. Why? How long do you think you're going to live? And that's why when I see elderly people, you know, people that are older than me. <laughs> Acting stupid. My heart goes out because even at 62 years old, I've had days when I've said, Jesus, don't come back today, please. Because I don't want you to find me in this condition. Jesus, don't take me home today because I don't want to stand in front of you after the fool that I was today, yesterday, last week. You understand what I'm saying? Well, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, my sins are forgiven, but my conscience I'm still living with. My sins are forgiven, but I'm still going to stand before the creator of the universe and have to give an account, as Paul wrote, of the things that were done in the body. Where are the things done in the body? Here on earth. So, so listen to me. You've you got to come to the conclusion at some point in life, look, I better start living right. 
I better start repenting of some things. I better start turning my back on some stuff. Why? Because I'm too old to be a fool at this point in life. See, you could be a fool when you're 30 years old. Any, anybody known any? Anybody been any? You can afford to be a fool when you're young. But you can't afford to be a fool when you're... I'm talking to somebody tonight. You can't afford to be a fool when you're older. Why? First of all, we give an account. Why? The book of Titus, Paul wrote to Titus and said, instruct the older women to teach the younger ones. Instruct the older men to teach the younger ones. Hey, guys, we got a responsibility here. Grandpas, we got a responsibility. Not only do we have responsibility to our children, we got a responsibility to our grandchildren. And it's a horrible thing when a grandchild sees the grandfather being a fool. Horrible. Horrible. You listen, how do we stop this? Start developing a relationship with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit will tell you, you're being a fool. You're being a fool. You listening to me? We don't have time. Seniors, oh, I didn't even like saying that. We don't have time to be foolish. You don't have time to be acting like you're 30 years old. You don't have time. Now, now, I want the strength of a 30-year-old. I want the energy. I want the passion of a 30-year-old. I want the dreams and the vision of a 30-year-old, but I can't be a fool. I don't know. I don't know. Jesus might come tonight. Jesus might call me tonight. I don't want to stand in front of him embarrassed. And see, we don't think about this because our society has got us so wrapped up with life here on this planet. I was reading an article by a historian talking about different ages of, of history of man, especially here in our country. And he said the amazing thing is back in the Victorian days, which would be like the eight, late like 1860s to like uh, 1900, 1910, that, that period in our country and even in England was considered the Victorian age. Queen Victoria's the, the queen, and it's a certain style of things and a certain method of thinking, certain mindset. And this is what this man said. Back in Victorian days, society was obsessed with preparing for death and talked hardly anything about sex. Now? There's an obsession with sex, and nobody wants to talk about the fact that one of these days you're going to take your last breath. We get offended. Don't talk about that. What? You're going to die one of these days? Unless Jesus comes back first. You, you hear what I'm saying? So, so turn to somebody and say, you don't have time to be a fool. Okay, turn to somebody else and say, ain't nobody got time for that. How are we going to avoid this stuff? Listen to me. Listen to me. You see, because, you see, because your conscience can get seared. Your conscience gets used to acting like a fool. You don't even realize you're acting like a fool anymore. So if you shut the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is honestly the only voice that can ever overcome your conscience. Because when your conscience gets to the place where you think you're all it, the big of Fritos, and you just keep going and keep going, and nobody tells you you're wrong, nobody tells you you've got nobody in your life to counter you like that, you're just going to keep going on and going on and going on. And what will happen is this. The voice of the Holy Man, I'm talking to somebody tonight. The voice of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will get quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. Not because he doesn't love you, but because he will not overrule your will. 
you're saying, man, I'm so glad I came here tonight. I came here to get, like, encouraged and lifted up, and I'm getting dragged through the mud here tonight. The Word of God is profitable for correction, for rebuke, for reproof, so that, so that the man of God is thoroughly equipped, able to rightly divide the Word of truth. And, you know, we can't, always talk, we, can't, we can't eat cannolis every night. You know what I'm saying? You can't always come to church and eat cannolis. Sometimes you've got to come to church, you've got a little bit of broccoli, a little bit of spinach. You hear what I'm saying? But listen to me. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows exactly where we're at. He knows the condition of our soul. He knows the stuff that we're dealing with in our minds. And if you'll develop a relationship with him, we'll be okay. So the Holy Spirit is God's gift to believers on the earth. It is impossible to really know God without an intimate knowledge of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to experience salvation without the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus. Remember, we talked about this before. Jesus is to the lost what the Holy Spirit is to the believer. You getting this? Okay. It's impossible to hear from God without learning the voice of his Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes this possible. Why are we studying this now? Pastor, you would think that you would wait until Pentecost, maybe in May. I guess Pentecost this year is probably going to be the late May. No, it will have to be the beginning of June, Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, because that's when the Holy Spirit uh, officially came to the earth to stay. He never went back. Never, don't, 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 don't. If you've been raised in a church where they told you to keep praying until the Holy Ghost falls, the Holy Ghost is here. He's not on an elevator. He doesn't go back and forth. He doesn't come go back to heaven, go back, back to heaven, back, come down, back to heaven. He came on the day of Pentecost. He never left. He didn't have a timeshare here. This is his. You listening to me? Get out of that foolishness. Why? Because you can't separate the ministry of the Holy Spirit from the resurrection. What do you mean, Pastor? Let me tell you real quick because we're out of time already. The Holy Spirit cannot be released into the earth until Jesus went to the cross, died, was buried, and risen from the dead. John chapter 7, verse 37. Listen, New King James Version. Are you reading up there? If you don't have your Bible, read up there. But I really wish you would bring your Bibles on Wednesday night so you could see it for yourself. On the last day, the great day of the feast, and we'll talk about this again next week because I want to explain to you what this feast was in detail. Jesus stood, now he's in Jerusalem. He stood up in the temple compound and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Look at this now. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, now while he's quoting from the book of Isaiah, okay? As the scripture has said, out of his heart, King James says, out of his belly, we could put it this way, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now, where's this, who's this river, liver, yeah, liver. Who is this river of living water gonna flow from? He who believes, okay? He who believes out of his belly, out of his heart, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Look at verse 39. But this he, Jesus spoke concerning the spirit whom those, say it with me, believing in him would receive. Watch this now. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given 
because Jesus was not yet glorified. Are you, are you catching this? Now, this is what you need to understand, all right? Because this is what we're going to be talking about every Wednesday night for the next four weeks, okay? Jesus comes to earth. He has the Holy Spirit on him, okay? You remember he got baptized? You remember he got baptized? He comes out of the water. Voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. John the Baptist, or John, John the apostle actually, saw the manifestation of the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus. He said it almost was like a dove. He said in the form of a dove. How's a dove? Peaceful, glides, and just came upon him. Okay? So Jesus has got the Holy Spirit on him. Everything Jesus did while he was on the earth, he did not do. This is going to shake some people. Jesus did not operate as God on the earth. Jesus operated as a man on the earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why? Why is that important? Why is that important? Pastor, why is that important? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works shall he do because I go to my Father. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus operated as God on the earth, could you possibly do what he did? No. Why? Contrary to popular belief, you're not God. But if Jesus came on the earth and put aside his divine nature for the time he was here and operated on this earth just like any other man or woman with the Holy Ghost upon them, can we do that? Absolutely. Are you catching this? So, So Jesus goes to the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem in the fall of that year. He goes to the temple. The celebration is going. It's a few days celebration, and then it leads up to the great day of the feast. And on that last day, when the place is mobbed, and as the priests have gone to the pool of Siloam, took gallons and hundreds of gallons and gallons of water, brought them up to the temple mount, and at a specific time on that great day of the feast, they would release that water so that it would flood out from every every doorway, every entranceway. Floods of water would come out, signifying the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, going all through the streets of Jerusalem, this water, not only cleansing all the blood and everything from the sacrifices in the temple, but just symbolic. And could you imagine if we were there? Put yourself in this picture. This beautiful building, shining, sparkling, and all of a sudden, at some God's command, water just starts gushing out from all over the place. In the, while this is going on in the backdrop, Jesus says, if anybody's thirsty, come on to me. Because out of them, those that believe, out of them shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Now, if you were a Jew that was at the temple that day, you know what you're thinking? Wow, I'm seeing this picture. I'm hearing what he said. He must be talking about Ezekiel's vision where he saw water. And he went in, and the water came up to his ankles, and then it came up to his knees, and then it came up to, and it says, and then it was water to swim in. And it says this, and everywhere that water went, it brought life. Man, I wish I could have been there that day. And he's standing here saying, if any of you thirst, come up to me. He who believes in me these rivers, this Holy Spirit that brings life. You only have life in you as a believer because the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's where your life is coming from. That's where your 
ability, your peace, your joy, your equipment to function supernaturally is not coming from you. It's coming from the Holy Spirit that lives inside you. It is impossible to know God without getting to know the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. I got to stop. I went six minutes over. I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) So listen, listen, listen to me. I, I want you to honestly listen to me just for this next 10, 20 seconds. Listen to me. If you're here tonight and you have never, ever, as an act of your will, prayed a simple prayer and said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I believe that you're alive right now. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. If you have never prayed that prayer, please don't walk out those doors tonight without praying that because you are not guaranteed to wake up tomorrow morning. I'll tell you this real quick, and then we'll go. You're going to give me another 30 seconds? I'm going to take it anyway. About, About eight Easter's ago, we had a service at the high school. We had one big service that, that, sun, that Easter Sunday at the high school. Place was mobbed. Place was packed. Okay, the one on Chambersbridge Road over here. At the end, I gave what I just did, the invitation for people to come and become born again and, and to receive Jesus. And every, time I, and every time I spoke it again, I kept getting this thing on the inside, don't stop. There's somebody else. There, I mean, the place probably had about three dozen people in the front already. But I kept feeling it, said, don't stop. There's somebody else. There's somebody else. There's somebody else. So this went on for 10 minutes. I'm getting like, come on, people are getting impatient. I want to go eat, you know. <laughs> but I knew. Listen to me one more time. One more time. So I said, listen, this is the last time. I'm telling you right now. If you know you're supposed to be up here, if you know you're supposed to come up for prayer, if you know you're supposed to receive Christ, please, please come up here. This guy, early, maybe late 30s, early 40s, runs from the last row all in the back, runs all the way to the front, gives his life to Christ. I know, I felt that, okay, I can go home now, okay? We're done. Two weeks later, he drops dead. 41 years old. 41 years old. Now, I I didn't say that to put fear in you. I said that because if you never received Christ and on the inside, you know there's something pulling you, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. And you don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. You don't know what's going to come. You don't know what's going to come across you. He does. He does. So please, I'm going to stop now, okay? If you need prayer for anything, come up. If you please, if you need prayer. Let me tell you what happened Sunday. I had an experience Sunday that, unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't been able to have in the past few years. Long story short, Two women came up for prayer. I don't know if you're here tonight. I don't think so. With these two women were two young men, one real tough looking, okay? Uh, Both of them are there. I'm praying for this lady for healing. And I looked at these young men, and, and first of all, I didn't know they were not believers yet. They hadn't received Christ yet. When I went to go put my hands and my wife and put my hands on this woman to pray for her, they put their hands on top of my hands. I'm like, oh, oh, this is different. Okay. They were literally that touched in the service. The Holy Spirit had really impacted their hearts. Now, watch this now. After I'm done praying for the women, I turned to the two young men. And I said, have you guys received Jesus? Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? No, this is our first time in church. 
I said, well, do you believe? Yes. Would you like to receive? Yes. My wife and I start praying with them, and I led them in a prayer. Watch this now. Watch this now. Talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. I led them to with them in a prayer, had them repeat after me. When I said this phrase, Jesus, thank you for cleansing me, the two of them broke and start crying. I'm crying. They're crying. My wife's crying. The usher behind me is crying. But listen, listen. We literally sensed and felt the very moment that their spirit came alive unto God. Their countenance changed. Their, their face changed. I was like, oh, my. Now, say, well, what do you mean you didn't expect? No, because most of the time after service, I got to run to get ready for the next service. And so most of the time, when people come up for prayer, they come up to receive from the prayer team. So the prayer team's the one that's having all the fun. <laughs> but listen to me. If you're here tonight and you have never received Jesus, if you've never prayed that simple prayer, or maybe you did ages ago and you know your heart's not there. It's just, it's gotten cluttered. Your, your, your relationship with God is not real like it used to be. Please, please, come up here. Let one of our prayer people pray with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Listen, bring somebody next week. This is important teaching. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.